comes from the world. The way this world looks at things is ever-changing. Have you noticed that? How this world views things, what this world says about things is ever-changing. There are things that are accepted as normal today that weren't even spoken of 40 years ago in public, right? And so how this world looks at things, how this world views things, what this world thinks about things, that is ever-changing. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it plainly, boldly, okay? Uh, Satan is the god of this world, and, and he's the leader, the ruler of this world system. And so it is not only shifting and changing, but it's shifting and changing not for the better, but for the worse. Amen. And we said that the church needs to shift from a worldly view of heaven to a heavenly view of the world. Why is that? Well, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So I like to break that verse down for you. For we walk by seeing things as they truly are. That's what faith does. Faith walks by seeing things as they truly are, not by the way things appear to be. To walk by sight means to walk or live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. The way things look, seem, and feel. Think of how many times you know, in a, in a day um, we reference how something seems or how it feels or how it looks. Well, it seems like this. Well, it feels like this. I feel like that. I've, again, um, Satan is, is hoping that we live our lives based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. But what's the victory? The victory in life is when we learn to live by faith. And good news, God, Romans 12, 3, has given to every person the measure of faith. So walking by faith then means walking focused upon the way things truly are, not by the way things appear to be. Satan can easily manipulate the way things appear to be. Have you figured that out by now? He can easily manipulate the way things appear to be. And if you live your life based upon the way things appear to be, this means he can easily manipulate you. Now, faith is the ability to see beyond the way things appear to be, but also we've got to add the response. So it's not just the ability to see things as they truly are, but also the ability to respond based upon the way things truly are as opposed to responding to the way things appear to be. Now, a lot of, a lot of God's children, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, folk in the church, amen, that uh, especially people that uh, are in our camp, you know, where we preach faith and, and grace and the goodness of God and the covenant of God, the kingdom of God, we, we see th- the, th- the way things uh, truly are as we hear the word and study the word but a lot of those folks who see things the way they truly are, they still respond to things the way they appear to be. And James has a word for that. It's called wavering. Amen. <laughs> and the Bible says, let not that man or woman think they will receive anything from the Lord. Now, another key verse in our study, 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, while we do not look at the things, I'm sorry, while we do not look to the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this passage is speaking of a deliberate intentional action on our part. And looking to the way things appear comes easily and naturally for the unrenewed mind. But he's talking about something here, and this is another one of those significant shifts. Remember, Father began to speak to us beginning of 2023 about bringing about a significant shift in our lives this year. Amen. And he also said that with every significant shift comes a significant if. A significant if, meaning Father God is raring and ready to go when it comes to a significant shift in your life, 
but are you willing to answer the significant if? And so the significant shift as it relates to this particular, and by the way, he's brought our attention to multiple significant uh, shifts. On Wednesday, if you cannot be here on Wednesday, listen to me, please. If you cannot be here on Wednesday, you need, I'm begging you. I'm, you know, you said you shouldn't beg. Well, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And that means I'm on my hands and knees begging you, okay? I'm begging you to please go back to where we started talking about fellowship with God and listen to every one of those messages. You need to get caught up on this. You need to hear this. Because, see, here's the, here's, here's the significant shift we're talking about on Wednesday evenings. We're, we're talking about a significant shift going, shifting from a relationship, a personal relationship mindset with God to a fellowship mindset. I don't have time to get into that right now, but I'm telling you it's one of the most important things you'll ever hear and receive from the Word of God and from the Holy Spirit. Now, let me get back to this. So the significant shift here is we're going to shift away from focusing on looking to the way things appear to be, and we're, and we're shifting away from that, and now we're, we're looking to the way things truly are. We're looking to things that are not seen with the physical eye. Amen? And so we said that looking to things that are visible and temporal versus looking to things that are invisible and eternal. Or to break this down even further, looking to the facts versus looking to the truth. Looking to the facts versus looking to the truth. Okay? And we said that if we only look to the facts, you'll never see your situation any other way than it appears to be. See, if you, if you only look to the facts, and what do we say? The key thing we need to understand about facts is that facts are subject to change. Truth never changes. Yeah, that's why it's eternal. Am I going too fast? We've covered, I'm, I know we've got some new folks with us this morning, and not that you know, we can ever hear this too much, but I'm trying to do a little deeper review than I normally do because I really uh, want to all get on the same page as we move forward this morning. Okay? So if we, if we only focus on the way things appear to be and respond to our situations in our lives based upon the way things appear to be, then how is it ever going to change? How is it ever going to be any different? This is why the Bible says, let the weak man say, I'm strong. Let the poor, men, poor man say, I'm rich. Let the sick say, I'm healed. It's, it's called making a faith confession. Okay? All right? Now stay with me because it requires zero faith to look upon your weakness and speak and respond to your weakness based upon the fact that you're feeling weak. See, if you just keep talking about how weak you are when you're weak, how are you ever going to be any stronger? Amen. See, so God is revealing to you and me how he set this thing up to function. And it's not the way the world says it works. See, see looking at how broke you are and, and talking about how broke you are, that's living in this world with a view of this world that comes from the world. That's a fancy way of saying that's what the world does. Bellyache, complain, moan and groan. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, man, you, you realize corn, a can of corn costs 76% more. All this stuff. See, inflation, we, we look to this, we look to that, and this, this is going up, and this is costing more, and blah, blah, all these other things. Well, see, how is it ever going to change if, if that's what we're looking to, if that's what we're focused on, if that's what we're responding to? So if you only look to the facts, you'll never see your situation any other than the way it appears to be which means you will never respond to your situation any other way than the way it appears to be. And so I left you with this question last Sunday. How will your situation ever change for the better if you continue to respond to it based upon the way it appears to be? 
Now let me tell you what time it is. Are you ready? I'm going to tell you what time it is. It's time for the children of God to get their faith, their measure of faith, off the bench in their lives and into the game. Amen. Are you with me? You understand that one player, one player can make the difference between a world championship and second or third place. If you don't believe me, let me just give you one name, Michael Jordan. Right? Bulls won championships until he decided he was going to play baseball. How many, how many, somebody tell me how many world championships did the Chicago Bulls win while uh, Michael Jordan was a Birmingham Baron? Anybody know? Zero, right? But then he decided, you know what, this baseball gig's not for me. I think I'll go back to basketball. And guess what? <laughs> world championship again. Amen. So, one, one aspect, one factor can make all the difference. And so what, what happens, because every person has been given the measure of faith, unfortunately we relegate the measure of faith that we've been given to the bench, so to speak, in our lives. And we've got to learn how to get the faith that we've been given off the bench into the game because this is the victory that overcomes the world, amen, even our faith, 1 John chapter 5. Now, what we know about faith and how do we get faith off the bench into the game is that we know that faith responds to situations based upon the truth, not by the way things uh, appear to be. And so I asked you, I think it was three weeks ago, to start practicing that. To start practicing that. In other words, if, you, if, you've, if, you've, never, if you've never done that, you know, if you've got a situation in your life that, that you've been praying about, and we're going to talk about prayer a little bit this morning, that, that you've you know, been wanting to see some movement in, some things change. You understand the word movement, you know, to, in, a, in a better direction. Maybe you want to see some movement in your checking account in a, in a, in a positive direction. Amen. We could go on in your health or, or your family situation, marriage, what have you. You know, we want to see some progress. Amen. All right, so faith is, faith is the progress. Faith is the victory. Faith is, is what will make the, the difference uh, in, in our lives. And so faith responds to situations based upon the truth, not by the way they appear to be. And this is something, especially if you've never done it, it requires some practice. It requires, again, a deliberate, intentional effort. The Bible, when the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, I've got that in my notes. I thought we would get there this morning, but the Holy Spirit had something different in mind for us today. But let me just go ahead and tell you that that word looking unto begins with looking away from one thing and focusing entirely on another. So when he says for us to look to Jesus, he's first of all telling us by that Greek word, he's saying, look away from, I think it's a phoebos, don't quote me on that, but he's, he's saying, look away from all the other things that you've been looking to and look only to him. Look only to him, all right? Well, I wish I could tell you that that happens just like that, but for me, it's, you know, it's, it's a process where, especially if all we've ever done our whole lives is respond to situations in our life based upon the way they appear to be, it's going to maybe be a little bit awkward for you at first if you start calling things that be not as though they were. But that's how faith works. Amen. If you start saying about your children what God said about your children, if you start saying about your money what God has said about your money. Now, you say, well, what, is, what does the words have to do with it? Because, again, faith responds to situations based upon the truth, not by the way things appear to be. And 99% of the time, your first response to any situation will be speaking. It'll be what you say. Now, James chapter 3, James chapter 3 
reveals to us that what we say sets things in motion and determines the course we follow. What you say sets things in motion and then ultimately determines the course you follow. Again, discipleship class will spend an hour and plus on that one point right there. You say, Pastor Mark, I just don't know about that. Well, you don't know what the Word says. I don't mean to offend you, but you don't know what the Word says if you don't know about that. And God's people are destroyed for a lack of church attendance, for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. You realize the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. but No, no, faith is the principal thing. You've got faith. Could it be that you don't have the wisdom to use the faith that you've been given? When he says wisdom is the principal thing, he's, he's literally saying that wisdom, more than any other factor, has the most effect, the most influence on the outcomes of life. Right? So what we say sets things in motion and determines the course we follow. So do you see how Satan manipulates us? If, if what we say, right, is, 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 is based upon the way things appear to be, if you're not careful, you can take um, words and throw them on a situation and it'll be akin to throwing gasoline on a small fire. In other words, it'll make it worse. David said, I complained and I was overwhelmed. Am I right about it? I compl- what is complaining? Complaining is just regurgitating the condition, the situation, Right? Can you believe this happened to me? Can you believe this? I can't, man, I try so hard and nothing ever worked out for me. See, what you don't realize is your words are setting things in motion and they're also laying down tracks that your life will follow. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, you know, I've heard this kind of teaching before, but I, I, just, I just don't know. I, I don't know if I agree with it because I tried it one time and, and, and it didn't work. Well, again, as Brother Keith Moore says, you, you didn't try it, it tried you because this is eternal. This never changes. Me and you, we, we tend to kind of waver at times. But no, the word never changes. The word never wavers. All right, I want you to go with me now to Romans chapter 10. We'll probably be here until we're finished this morning. Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. Praise the name of the living God. All right, so I want to I dig into this a, a little more this morning. And um, it says... But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That ascend means to go up to heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. And it does not say, who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I'm going to come back and fill in some blanks. But that, those, uh, that word unto that you see there in Uh, Verse number 10, with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That that word unto means movement or motion into a place or position. Are you with me? Okay. 
So let's just, I'll, I'll try to get out of camera range, but let's say I'm in this position, but I want to get to that position over there. I want to go from here to here. Are you with me? Okay. So he's telling us in these verses how it is that we make this movement, how we, how we are involved in and experience this change. Okay? Are you with me? I don't know about you, but there's some situations in my life that I'm wanting to see some movement in. I'm going to see some progress in. Okay, I, that was weak, but maybe you're just thinking. All right, now, let's go back up. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Now, you, this, listen now, we got, we, we got to lean into this, all right? Your mind half on this and half on the hamburger you're going to eat later is not going to, not going to cut it this morning, okay? We got to get this. We got, listen to me, I'm going to try to say it without hollering. We got to get this. Are you hearing me? We got to get this. Father's got so much more, so much more for you. That you'll never experience until you get this. Because this is where you're stuck. This is, this, is, this is why you're here and you want to be here, but you don't know how to get from here unto here. Okay? And let me tell you what, what's happening. All right? We're here and we're looking at there and we're looking at there the way the world looks at there. How do we get from here to there? How do we get from not enough to barely enough to more than enough? Because that's God's desire for us, right, as his people. From not enough to barely enough to more than enough. How do you get from barely enough unto more than enough? See, so much of what we understand about how all that works is from a world's perspective. It's a worldview of financial increase. And because we look at it the way the world looks at it, we're responding to it the way the world responds to it, and no wonder we're stuck. There's the world's way of getting you from here to here, and then there's God's way. The world's way may never get you from here to there. Our founding fathers, I believe, were led by the Holy Spirit. And they said, you know what? The only thing that we can guarantee a citizen of this great nation is a pursuit of happiness. Notice what they're saying. We're going to create a government that, that, that gives people the opportunity to pursue happiness, but no government can provide happiness. But, oh, God can provide something better than happiness. He can provide His joy in full measure overflowing in your life. All right, so Romans chapter 10. Let, let, me, let, let, let me say it again. 99% of the time, I left this part out, 99% of the time your first response to any situation will be speaking. And what you say set things in motion. What we say sets things in motion and determines the course we follow. This means we must get the words right. Got to get the words right. If what the Bible says is true, and it is, that the, that the words your tongue speak are like the rudder of a ship or the bit in the mouth of a horse. 
something very small compared to something very large. Yet what does the bit do? What does the rudder do? The bit and the rudder determine the course that the horse travels, that the, that the ship travels. He said if you can learn to bridle your tongue, you can bridle your entire body. Amen. James 3. All of this is in the Scripture. Death and life. Joel taught it to our youth on last Monday night. Death and life in the power of the tongue. Turn on the power of your tongue. And in each of these situations, both with the, with the bit and the rudder, something very small changes the course of something very large by applying pressure. How am I doing, Vaughn and Ginger? Get on that horse. They have horses. Get on the horse. If you want that horse to change, you pull on the rein, which puts a little pressure on the horse's mouth. And the horse doesn't like the pressure on his mouth, and so he turns to try to relieve that pressure, and that's how you turn the horse. The captain of the ship, he turns the wheel of that ship, which turns the rudder. Now all of a sudden that rudder that was zipping through the water in alignment with that ship, now the rudder's no longer in alignment with the ship. It's no longer in alignment with the way that ship is going. See, we want to keep our tongues and what we say in alignment with the direction we're going and wonder why nothing ever changes. The captain says, you know what, I want to go from here unto here. I want, I want to go from here to there. And, and, and in order to do that, I've got I to redirect the course. And so he, he turns the wheel, which turns the rudder. Now the rudder, what's happening? As the, as the water rushes past that rudder, it's applying pressure, which eventually turns that whole ship wherever the governor desires for it to go. You're the governor of your life. Amen. So what you say. So we've got to get the words right. We've got to get the words right. Now, you say, okay, well, just tell me what I need to say. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a little more in-depth than that. And that's where I think a lot of people have missed it. They've heard this kind of teaching. They tried it for a little while, and, and nothing seemed to change. And so what did they do? They let off the wheel. If that, I'm talking about an older ship now. If the, if the, if the, if the captain turns the wheel and then gets tired of holding it and lets go, the rudder's going to snap back into alignment with the ship and the wheel's going to swing around. That's why old, old uh, ships have those big handles on them and, and the captain would even get that wheel in a position and then tie it off to something because he knows that he's got to keep applying the pressure in order for the situation to turn, in order for the situation, for him to go from here unto there. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, we've got to get the words right. We've got to get the words right. Okay? So, now, let's go back to it. Because Romans 10, maybe as much as any other place in the Scriptures, is going to help us get the words right. Okay? It says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. So, faith speaks. Faith speaks. Just like doubt speaks. Just like anger speaks. Just like strife speaks. Just like offense speaks. These things in our heart, they come out of our mouths. But the righteousness of faith speaks, and this is how it speaks. Do not say in your heart. So notice, faith speaks, but before he ever tells us how it speaks and what it says, he's going to tell us what it doesn't speak and what it doesn't say. Okay? 
Follow this. It seems complicated at first, but I promise you, if you'll lean into this, the Holy Spirit's going to open your eyes to it in a way maybe that he never has before. Do not say in your heart, notice he's telling us what faith doesn't say. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So before telling us what to say, the Holy Spirit is telling us what not to say. And what we see in Scripture, Matthew 12, 34, the last part of that verse, we see that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So notice he says, do not say in your heart. This is deeper down in my notes, but you do realize that you can say something with your mouth that's not in your heart. Am I right about it? Now come on, think about this. You can say something with your mouth that's not in your heart. Jesus, it started all the way back with Isaiah, but we see uh, where Jesus referenced Isaiah. And what did he say? These, peop- these people serve me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We have a word for that. We call that lip service. You can't just give lip service to these things. When he's saying what you do not say, what he's literally saying, do not say in your heart, he's talking about do not have an attitude in your heart, amen, that will affect what you say out of your mouth. See, if you have one of these two, which really these two attitudes that he's going to point out to us here, um, and, and listen to me, sweet Jesus, listen to me now. We get, see, mm, sweet Jesus. See, these things are so common that you're going to leave here thinking, well, what in the world was he even saying? What is, what is wrong? What is different? What, you you got to hear this. This is so, so, so critically important. You say, you're acting a little off this morning. Amen, I'm on. Amen, this is how I act when I'm on, all right? Amen. Now, so when he says, do not say in your heart, we've got to understand that because whatever attitude is in our heart, now I'm going I'm to tie this in. The Holy Spirit's going to help us. We're going to tie this in with a the, with the bigger series of what we've been learning on Sunday mornings, Right? See, what you say in your heart is going to line up with what you see in your heart. You're going to say what you see. Some people say you never know what somebody's thinking in their heart. Not true. If you're a good listener, and a good counselor is a good listener, if you listen to somebody long enough, you'll know exactly what's in their heart because it'll come out of their mouths. Now, I've been told that sometimes people act a little differently and talk a little differently around me. I don't, I don't get that. I guess I do, but I don't. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we better straighten up. Here's the pastor. You know. But you, you spend enough time, I'm not trying to scare you off, but you, you spend enough time talking to somebody, listening to somebody, you know exactly where they are in their heart. That's not to judge. That's to serve. That's to help. Amen? Sometimes the most important things you can do as a counselor is repeat back to people what they just said to you. Summarizing what they just said to you. So, so let, me, let me make sure I, I understand what you're saying here. Based on what you just said, now I may be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but based on what you just said, you said blah, 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 blah. And they go, well, that's what I said, but that's not what I meant. It's like, what? No, now let's see again. Now that's see now what we've got. We've we've come to a cause that needs that needs to be corrected. I'm not here to teach counseling, but let's just amen. So 
Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do not say in your heart what is in the heart. Do not say in your heart, because what's in the heart, he says, comes out of the mouth. Now, I'm going to give you a quick review of Matthew 6. Okay? And if you recall, in Matthew 6, Jesus begins by saying, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, because Matt talked about the corrosion, the corruption, the moth, the rust, corrupt, thieves break in and steal. But... Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because there, no thief will steal it, no rust will corrode it, no moth will chew it up. Okay? Sidebar, side note, metal won't rust in heaven. Okay? Then he says, after explaining laying up, he says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he says the lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. Your whole body will be filled with the ability to see things as they truly are. But if your eye be bad, if it be broken, if it be divided, if, if, if it sees double, then your whole body will be filled with the inability to see things as they truly are. And if the way you see things be distorted, incorrect, influenced by darkness, then how great will the inability to see things as they truly are be in you? But now, we pointed this out, I think, last week or week before. It was a week before. He's talking about the light that's in you. How you see things in your heart. Okay? how you look at things. You ever ran into anybody that, that, that doesn't look at things the way you look at them? <laughs> you, ever, you ever try to help somebody see things the way you see them? Only, only the Lord can change that. You can plant the seeds of His Word, and His Word's powerful, His Holy Spirit's powerful. But Paul learned, man, he was up there because he was an intellectual dude, and he's up there trying to match wits with the, with the intellectual. And he says, you know what, enough of all this. I'm not coming anymore to you with persuasive words of man's wisdom. I'm coming to you in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to, again, in the interest of simplifying these things, here's a quick review from Matthew 6. Stay with me, okay? Matthew 6, he says to us, lay up treasure in heaven. Why? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on to say, look to right things and your heart will be filled with the ability to see things as they truly are. Look to the wrong things and your heart will be filled with distortion or the inability to see things as they truly are. Okay? Amen? You still with me? Okay? Now, from this we've come up with something that I hope you've heard enough by now that you can say it yourself. What you look to becomes the lens you live through. Come on now, don't zone out on me because you've heard this before. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. So we talk about looking to something. We're not just about looking at it. We're talking about looking to it as a source, as a means. We're looking to it for protection. We're looking to it for provision. We're looking to it uh, to get what we, to simplify, to get what we want and what we need in life. What you look to. Now stay with me. Far too many of God's children are looking to this world. And the God of this world is, is Satan, but his underlord is money, mammon. 
Far too many of God's children are looking to this world for what they won't need. Now this is a byproduct of being more invested in the world system than in God's kingdom. I'm just getting plain with you now. I'm just getting plain with you. See, there is only so much we will be able to learn and change. Remember, a significant shift always includes a significant if. There's only so much that, that the Lord himself will be able to, to teach us and change if we, if we are more invested in this world system for the things and looking to this world for the things that we want and need than we are invested in God's kingdom for the things that we want and need. Getting quiet, it's okay. I'm, by the time we're done, whether you are interested in seeing what the Lord's wanting to show us tonight, this morning or not, you're going to see it, okay? Just stay with me. It's going to help you, all right? We're applying a little pressure now, okay? Right? I, it's much easier just to preach in alignment with what everybody already thinks and believes. Amen? But Father loves us too much to leave us where we are and he's trying to take you somewhere you can't get by yourself amen amen so far too many of God's children are looking to this world for what they want and need and this is a byproduct of being more invested in this world system than in God's kingdom now I pray that the wisdom of God is working in your life and in my life And we're kind of waking up to some things, okay? And let me give you an example of what we ought to wake up to if we're looking to this world. There's a hurricane in California this morning. Oh, but you know, this world, man, we're going to put all our eggs in the basket of this world. You better not. You better not. Because what what we see when, when we do that, then... Our heart ought to, you know, if you look to the world for what you want and need, then everything you look at in this world will be from the world's perspective, the world system. So far too many of God's children are looking to this world for what they want and need. Your heart will always be connected to your treasure. Or as Jesus taught us, you look to where you lay up. You look to where you lay up, and then you look through what you look to. If you lay up treasure in heaven, you'll look to heaven, and if you look to heaven, heaven will become the lens you look through. If you invest in this world system, if you look to this world for your answers, if you look to this world for your help, if you look to this world and this world's way of thinking and this world's way of doing things to try to somehow get what you want and need from life, then that's where your treasure is. That's where you're invested. You look to this world, then this world becomes the, the lens that you look through, meaning everything that you look at in, the, in your life and in the situations in your life, you're going to see from a world's perspective, a worldview. And you were never meant to live in this world with a view of the world that came from the world. This is where we come. The Lord gave us this, this saying what you look to becomes the lens you look through. But now, we're not through. Just stay with me, okay? I'm going to put some of this on the screen here in just a moment to make it even more simpler than it is now. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. So I'm going to go back to it one more time, okay? Your heart will always be connected to your treasure. Who decides what you treasure? 
Who decides what you treasure? Who decides what's important to you? Who decides what's a priority in your life? Who determines, who determines what's number one, what's number two, what's number three, what's number four, and what's number five in your life? You determine that. Father God has suggested some things to us, amen, that we ought to consider making a priority in our lives. But again, you determine your priorities. You determine what you treasure. You determine what is valuable to you. You determine what's important to you. You determine how you spend your time. You determine where you go on Sunday mornings. You determine determine where you go on Wednesday nights, you determine what you make a priority in your life on a Monday morning, a Tuesday morning, a Wednesday morning, or a Thursday afternoon. You and I, we determine all of that for ourselves. Amen. And it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal as it relates to the quality of life and our ability to see things. But again, see, there's, there's a few layers to this. And because there's a few layers to this, and, 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 and maybe we haven't, uh, you know, learned or, or had our eyes open to it or interested in seeing it yet but here here is the bottom line okay your heart will always be connected to your treasure and your treasure right what you look to and wherever you lay up that treasure is where is where your heart's going to look and what you look what you look to right will be the lens you live your life through. It'll be the way you see everything. It'll be the way you look at everything. Do you ask how many people on planet Earth look at everything through a lens of money? We talk about rose-colored glasses. Are you kidding me? This world doesn't live with rose-colored glasses. They live with money-colored glasses. Everything's about money. Looking to the world means this world is the lens many of God's children are living through. What does that mean? It means they see things the way the world sees them. Which means they respond the way the world responds to things. What does it respond? That means we look through the lens that this world looks through and we talk and we act and we respond to things just like the world talks to acts and responds to things in life. Now, a lot of people have heard teachings from the Bible about the power of our words and have decided to give it a try. See if we can't change our lives by changing what we say. I don't have time to go into all this, but far too many people who have, who have understood these things from the Scriptures have received them with a self-help mindset. Let me just go ahead and tell you, this will help you moving forward. God doesn't do self-help. The saying, God helps those who help themselves, is not in the Bible. But so many people come to church for somebody like me to tell them a few things that they can go home and try that will maybe make their lives better, leaving God out of the picture. None of this works without Him. None of this works without Him. And the reality that I pray most of you, if not all of you, have discovered up to this point in your life is that He's the real prize in all of this anyway. All right, now. I know sometimes you guys take snapshots of things I put on the screen. You might want to take a picture of this, okay? I'm going to read this a few times. I know it's wordy, but just stay with me, okay? What is in your heart in abundance comes out of your mouth. 
And what comes out of your mouth charts the course your life follows. But what is in your heart in abundance is determined by the way you see things. The way you see things is determined by what you look to. What you look to is determined by where your heart is. Where your heart is is determined by where you are laying things up. I'm going to say it again. I see some of you taking a photo there, okay? What's in your heart in abundance comes out of your mouth. See, we thought, well, I'll just, I'll just change what I say. But again, we've already established, we say things all the time that's not in our heart. Just saying something that's not in your heart is not going to change what's going on around you. Now, watch this. I don't want to go too far down this road, but you can say things enough that it'll help start to change things in your heart. Meditate, muttering to yourself, the Word of God, okay? But what's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth. And what's in your heart in abundance is determined by the way you see things. Right? For me to try to convince, how, is there anybody in here that I could convince that that chair you're sitting in is not purple? No, it's because it's, it's, it's purple. I see it. It's right there in front of me. Okay. See, we... What's in your heart in abundance is determined by the way you see things. The way you see things is determined by what you look to. What you look to is determined by where your heart is. Where your heart is is determined by where you are laying things up. So watch this. There's a big difference between a confession and a faith confession. Amen? A big difference between a confession and a faith confession. All right, I'm going to ask you for just a couple more minutes this morning because we need to get to this last part. I'll go quick here, and if we need to fill in some gaps next Sunday, we will. Romans 10, now let's, let's go back. Um, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So what is he saying here? He's saying, do not speak like Jesus needs to come do something for you that he has already done. Do not speak as if he did not finish what he came to do for you. Do you have any idea how many of God's children speak this way despite being told not to in the scriptures? Can I tell you who prays like this? Can I tell you who prays? As if God needs to come down here and do something for us. Do you know who prays like Jesus has not been raised from the dead and needs to come back from the dead to help us? That's how the world prays. That's how the world sees things. That's why so many in the world are mad at God. Because he ought to get down here right now and straighten out this mess. The world prays like this. God, you need to come down here, and God, you need to do something about this. When Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated every devil in hell and overcame death itself. We are told not to speak and pray as if these victories have not been won.
Thank you, Jesus. But what does it say? What does it say? We've learned what it doesn't say. What does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what are we learning here? We're learning that there are some things you cannot say and be in faith. And not just specific words, but a specific attitude or a specific way of looking at things. We see this mentioned in 2 Corinthians 4.13. We won't turn there, but he talks about this. I'll put it on the screen. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. But as I mentioned earlier, pay close attention to this word unto. It means movement or motion into a place or position. So how do you move from a position of sickness, as a born-again believer, how do you move from a position of sickness to a position of health? By speaking like Jesus was not almost beaten to death by the business end of a Roman whip? Are you hearing me? What does 1 Peter 2, 24 say? It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. How many times do we talk like we have not been healed? How many times do we pray like we have not been healed? How many times do we, do we, do we cry out to God like He needs to come down here and do something that He hasn't already done in order for us to be able to be made whole and well in our physical bodies? This is the part that people look at. You try to teach this to people and look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. It's like, well, what are you saying, Pastor Mark? Is that not how it is? According to the Word of God, no, that is not how it is. If we are responding to our situation like Jesus has not paid the price for our sins, if we are responding to our situation like He did not become a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon us, if we are responding to our situation as if Jesus did not suffer at the business end of a Roman whip, then we are saying in essence, you need to come down here and do something. You need to come down here and do something more. We're acting as if He did not rise up from the dead, but when He rose up from the dead, He rose up from the dead triumphant over death, over hell, over the grave. He defeated every devil in hell. He defeated the the root of the curse and the fear of death so that we can now live the life that God created us to live. To speak and pray like he has not done these things is to speak and pray like the world who doesn't know God. Speaks and prays. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Why am I going back to this? Why am I going back to this slide? It's because when Jesus was teaching all this to us in Matthew 6... He wasn't just jumping from one subject to another, to another, to another, to another. He's going to go on after this and says you can't serve God in money. Then he's going to talk about how to experience provision in our lives. He's going to talk about looking, looking to the birds and then considering the lilies. 
What is he saying to those people in that first sermon? He's saying, you're looking at the wrong things, you're considering the wrong things. You'll never have Father's best in your life. You'll never have Father's provision in your life looking at things the way you're looking at them, considering the things that you're considering. That's exactly what he's saying. We see the same language, the same pattern in Hebrews 12. Look to Jesus, consider Him who endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Again, look to consider. Look to consider. If you will let the Holy Spirit help you and show you and teach you and direct you to the things that you need to look to and the things that you need to consider, significant shift will be experienced in your life this year, even though we're already, what, seven and a half months into it. Amen. Matter of fact, <laughs> amen. That can happen before the end of next week. Amen. Amen. You get anything out of this? All right. So we say, well, I'm just going to change what I say. You can't do that because those words are coming from somewhere inside of you. So how do you change that? Well, Jesus told us, what's in your heart in abundance comes out of your mouth. What's in your heart in abundance is determined by the way you see things. The way you see things is determined by what you look to. What you look to is determined by where your heart is. Where your heart is is determined where you are laying things up. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you, Father, for the patience of these, your people. Lord, thank you, Father, that, that we are learning to endure sound doctrine, Father. Lord, not to have a 15, 20-minute devotion and then bolt for the door, Father. But we want to know you. We want to know your truth. Our hearts are open to it, Lord. Our, our lives are open, Lord, to it. Uh, we welcome your correction in our lives, Father. We do not fear uh, you uh, correcting us and redirecting us and, and opening our eyes to things, Father, that we've been blinded to or refused to look at. And look to, Father. And Lord, I thank you that, that we'll take what you said and begin to deliberately, intentionally act upon it. Lord, putting our effort into it, but also knowing and realizing that when we, when we set these things in motion, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and, and brings these truths, uh, Lord, forth and forward uh, in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for saying things in our hearts and then with our mouths. Lord, that do not take into consideration what you've already done for us, what you've already said to us, what you've already given to us, what you've already made available for us, Lord. Forgive us, Father, for praying like none of that ever happened. Forgive us, Father, for talking and acting like Jesus is still laying in the grave somewhere and that there's no victory in life. But, Father, our victory in life is his victory. And because he's victorious, we're victorious. Help us, Lord, see things the way you see them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Much love. Good things coming. Remember, youth tomorrow night at 7. Love to have all our young adults. Had a great turnout last uh, Monday. Looking forward to it again tomorrow. You be blessed. Life and peace. I'll see you Wednesday, if not before.